I'm back. Would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5? The Lord put two verses on my heart strongly from yesterday and today, and they are verses that are readily a part of the Beatitudes, or as uh, I remember when we were kids in Sunday school, uh, there were little uh, cutouts that said the Beatitudes, that you were supposed to be these things. And that's good. You know, that's the beauty of the Word of the Lord. Uh, it is alive. And um, it, can, it can say all kinds of things that are, that are true and good in your life. But when I look at what Jesus said, I see a progression in Matthew 5 that is, um, it is profound, and it specifically is in regard to what our calling is. And this is an old teaching many, many years ago, but there are two verses particularly that we are going to focus on because I, I believe that they're ramas for us right now. And uh, I want to set the stage for them by just beginning and reading these blessed. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 2, he opened his mouth. And that's a signature word in the, in the Greek that means there's an annunciation coming. And, you know, we should know in our own lives that a lot of times people have their mouth open and they're saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but when, when this says, um, he opened his mouth, that meant, okay, here comes, here comes a profundity, and, and you need to be ready for it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's talk about these one by one just briefly. Uh, to be poor in spirit is a prerequisite for us to be able to function in the true things of the kingdom of heaven. To be poor, when you know when somebody's poor um, in the natural, that means that they don't really have anything. They have some things, but they continually have to be gaining sustenance. Um, I I wouldn't say that my family was poor when I was growing up, but we were we were pert near it. And um, if you wanted anything, you had to go out and and get it. Um, you had to. You know, for me, I knew that if I wanted something, I had to either go collect uh, the bottles that were alongside the road and turn them in for, uh, uh, for the little fee that was uh, either two cents or five cents, or I had to, to do work, babysitting, or doing those kinds of things. And so when, when you grow up and you recognize, look, I don't have a, a, a plethora of money, and anything I want to do, I've got to get it, to me, that is, that is kind of a, of a poor um, factoring. And so when you're poor in spirit, you recognize that there's always something further in God that you need to be pursuing. There's something further in that deposit of his spirit in you that was born again when you accepted Jesus that is awaiting you. And so you have to exert. You don't just sit there with your hand out. The, the, the onus of this word is that you, you go out and you obtain. And, you know, that's the, way, that's the way Jesus begins this. If you're going to move in the kingdom of heaven, you've got to recognize that you are spiritually inclined and you are spiritually formed, and you need to, you need to not sit back and say, I have everything. That's what the Laodiceans said. And uh, we need to just keep seeking after God and saying, I want more. I want more of you. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, 
You know, it's interesting that in the myriad number of ways this word mourn is translated in the New Testament, there are times that, very profound times, that it was used as a lament for the state of the church. In fact, Paul spoke specifically to the Corinthians and said, use this word, and he said, I see the things that you're doing, and my spirit is moved upon that you need to step it up. You need to get with what your heritage is. And just as in the natural, if somebody's mourning, it usually means the loss of something. When Paul used this, it was looking at people who should have something who don't. And so for me, there's always a striving point in my spirit. I don't know about you, but in my spirit that I don't want to come behind in any grace so that I can serve my father and be that good and faithful servant. And so if, if I am mourning in that way, it's, it's not, oh, poor me, you know, down in the dumps. Oh, things were just better. Gloom, despair, and agony. You know, the old hee-haw hymn. I mean, I want, to, I want to be able to say, God, this is where you want us. We're here, and I am applying this pursuit to, to get to that. And what's the, what's the privilege of those people? They'll be comforted. That's parakaleo, which we were talking about in Sunday school at the end of the class today. Um, that, that we would find our place where God wants us to be. That we would come alongside in the place we were created to be. So, so far, Jesus begins by saying, you've got to recognize that what you have in the natural is not enough. You need to keep moving forward in the things of the Spirit. And you need to have a mindset not of negativity, but of desiring the things that God has ordained you to be that you have not yet fulfilled. And if you have that mindset, God will cause you to come into alignment in His steps for what He created you to be and where He needs you to be. Blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the earth. It's not about your strength. It's not about your capacities. You know, that's one place the enemy always hits people. Well, what about my ministry? What about my capacity? When are people going to notice me? When is, when is somebody going to finally recognize how brilliant I am and put me in a position? You know, no matter what giftings you have, no matter how you've been skilled, though that meekness should be a point of submission to God because it's about Him. And, and so your strengths become subservient to Him, whatever they may be. And your promise is that God will then use you throughout the earth as a person of divine inheritance. And I love those first three right there are phenomenal. This is Jesus opening his mouth and really telling us how to function in the kingdom. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst after righteousness. This righteousness, remember, that the first issuance of righteousness in the Old Testament was when God showed Abram all kinds of wacky things. And in the natural, they were kind of strange. Lamps flying through the air, look up at the stars. You know, you've been wanting a son. Well, I'm going to give you all of these. Your, your heritage is going to be as the stars in the heavens and the sands of the sea. And he shows him all these, shows him all these things and says, will you believe this? And Abram says, yes. And God said, that is righteousness. That is righteousness. In fact, the root of the Old Testament term for righteous is visual, to see something. And so we want to partner with God 
in things that he's revealing, things that he has chosen for this time frame to partner with you that in that have not yet been unveiled. We want to believe God for things that, that we believe. We call those things that be not as though they are. You know, blessed are those who have not seen, but yet you believe. You've not realized it yet in the natural, but yet you believe. And what does he say will happen? You'll be filled. This is a great word, especially for me when I was younger, because it doesn't just mean to be filled. It means to be gorged. I mean, you've just eaten so much. I remember when um, we first moved to Dallas, there was, a, there was a restaurant that had a buffet uh, it was called, what was it called? The Southern, Southern something. <laughs> it was a big old white building with pillars. It was over there near Love Field. And we'd go over there and eat, and I would eat so much food. I mean, it was like, it was, this was my last meal. I would load up on shrimp, and I would load up on everything, and when I'd get in the car, I'd have to undo my belt just to be able to drive home. And I shouldn't eat that way. I don't do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. But I sure did back then. And that's, that's really what this, this word implies, that not just that you're satisfied, but you are filled to overflowing. You are, and if you look at it, you'll see, I forgot, it may be Strong's. It says to gorge. And so if you're willing to partner with God as a partner, uh, as a friend, as someone who is moving in righteousness, if you want to, if you want to feast on that, do it. He's going to give you so much. It's his joy unspeakable. The half has not been told. There's just you're never going to run out. I love that. And this is when you think about it. This is God offering a uh, an invitation to you. Do you want to be my friend? Do you want to hear what's on my heart? Do you want to see the things I want to do? Uh, if, if you do, make that a priority, and you'll have more than enough. I, I love that. I, I just, it's just wonderful. Um, blessed are the merciful. They'll re, uh, obtain mercy. We've talked about this. I'm not going to teach on every one of these verses, or we'll never get out of here. We've got to get to the rhema verses, after all, don't we? Um, but we talked about the, the wonder of, of um, mercy in the Old Testament, and, and to me, how it is used, how chesed is used, and the mercy seat, and how it, it at heart is God speaking to you in the presence of the angels, talking to you about what he's going to do, what he has chosen to do. And if you hear that and do that, the people will move forward. And again, it's kind of like the commentary that was said in Sunday school this morning. So often we interpret words based upon their result rather than what they really were inceptualized to do. And mercy has become something that is commensurate with compassion or people giving a token. And I understand that in the common vernacular. But in the Old Testament, when they would cry out to David for mercy, they weren't just asking for a handout. Some of them might have been. But they were asking for the benefits of the kingdom that he had derived by meeting with God and saying, this is what you want from me, God. This is where we're going, as Moses did. Because the advancement on behalf of the kingdom generates all kinds of blessing. So I just don't want a handout. I want an environment of blessing. How about you? 
And so blessed are the merciful because they will obtain mercy. They'll keep on growing and developing in that. So you see this progression Jesus is giving, and we come then to verse 8. Verses 8 and 9 are, are really verses that God has blazed upon my heart for today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. About a year ago, we, we took some effort to try to define what it means to be pure in heart. And we talked about the heart. A lot of people get confused about the difference between the heart and the soul and the emotions and the strength and the, the mind and the, and the body. And, you know, sometimes the Scripture includes just about all of those in one verse. And everybody just mixes them up as kind of like a, a Pentecostal gumbo, and you can add any kind of, any kind of definition you want. <laughs> hey, that would be a good thing for our restaurant, Tammy. You, do you have the menu in your purse? Okay, Pentecostal gumbo. We'll say that's Dennis's favorite, and it'll, it'll sell like, well, not, not like hotcakes, but like gumbo. So we have, uh, I don't know why I'm weeping, Fran. I don't know why. I ain't, got, I ain't even got good yet. <clears throat> um, the heart is kind of like the steering wheel of the body. Because we are spirit people. We, uh, we've been given that by God. It's how we have life, how every human has life. And when you die, you give up the ghost. You give up the spirit. And when we're born again, we're born again in spirit and in truth so that we can be alive in that spiritual capacity, which is kind of like a, a dossier of what God wants us to be in this life so that we can pursue the things that have been hidden to that point. And, um, you know, the, the beauty of, of that spiritual walk is, as, as Pentecostals, the Bible clearly says that when we speak in unknown tongues, our spirit prays. And we're praying those mysteries out of that deposit that God put of himself in us. And so we, we need to be very careful that we cherish that spiritual identity. Now the mind, the natural mind, will be at enmity with that. The Bible says that. Because the mind wants to do things the mind's way. And one of the key things in life is for you to become a spirit-led and a spirit-filled and a spirit-inspired person to where the mind then is trained to support that. The emotions will go along with the mind. They just will. You know, if there's something that your mind cherishes, you stroke that a little bit and tears are going to come. And you're going to feel real cozy and warm and emotional goosebumps are going to come. And that's great. We should have the emotion. It's, it's great. But they shouldn't control our lives. And then our strength follows those things. So the heart really, though, is when, when you have deduced what all of those factors are and as your decision, which way you're going. It's the steering wheel of who you are. And when with the heart, man believes. And with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. And we, we want to be a person who says, okay, I am 
born again in spirit. I'm functioning as a spirit person before God because that's the way he made me. And my mind is submitting to that. My emotions are bowing their knee to that. You know, my body and my strength is supporting that. And so my heart is going along. And if we want to, if we want to um, see God, uh, you'll find me and you'll, when you search for me with your whole heart. Now, people that aren't born again and have chosen another pathway, their heart's driving them into all kinds of things. You know, the heart can be desperately wicked. Who can know where it's going to end up going? So when we talk about the heart here, when Jesus talks about the heart, he's talking about somebody in this flow pattern that has already committed themselves to follow the ways of God, and so their heart should be on target. You're saying, from the steering wheel of my heart, I'm seeking heart after God, and everything in my life is in alignment now, what about this pure in heart? If you look, you'll see that this is our friend Katharos. And we've studied about that, how that it is a free flow and no blockage. Unclean spirits, akathartos, is somehow the enemy has come in and blocked something. And we, we want to be free flow of everything that God wants in our heart and in every other way that is godly. You know, I've, I've gone over the years, and recently I was in Presbyterian Hospital, and I remembered, according to my records, I'd been over there visiting people well over 200 times over the years, and that's not the only house, hospital in Dallas. And I've seen people have heart catheters. I've, I've seen and experienced urinary catheters. I've seen renal catheters. I've seen all kinds of other things, and basically it's saying, Something is impinging, something is blocking, something is restricting. It needs to be open. And people put, uh, they insert stints in certain places in the body so that there, can, there is no constriction and that there's a flow. And so when Jesus says here that we are pure in heart, that means that if we've done all these other things, there isn't something that has come to block or hinder what, uh, what you should really be doing. And that can happen in life. I, I think in this season where we've all kind of been sequestered and we've gotten out of our patterns that we've formed over the years, you know, they some say that sometimes that after 21 days you break habits. Now you can pick them back up again real easy because the handles are still formed real nice. They fit your hand real well. But after all these months, I'm just, I felt the Lord say this to me, and I'm, I'm not an evangelist. I'm your pastor, and I know whenever I say anything, I'm not looking for 15 emails. Is that me? You answer that before the Lord. But are you still following after God in the way you did a year ago or five years ago? Or has something come and blocked a percentage of that flow? Has something taken dominion in your mind and it's impinging on the heart? What about your prayer life? What about the, the, the dedication you have to the things of being a saint? Because really, if, if you are letting that happen, you are what's the, what's the benefit of having a pure heart? 
seeing God. Now, the, what that really means for me is that you are moving with his eyes. You are moving with his ways, seven spirits of God. Because I've known wonderful people who have a heart for God who've never had a vision of the Lord. And I don't fault them for that. It's not me that's given the vision. You know, we're not, we don't have a seminar, seven ways to see God, you know. That, boy, that would be a big winner, wouldn't it? But it's up to God. I mean, you can't coerce. Even matter, sometimes Moses, let me see your glory. And God said, no, 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 you're not. Just get over here in the crack of the, the, the rock here. You wait right here. And then you'll, you'll see my glory. My glory will pass. You'll see me as I go by, which is really the best way to see the glory. You just stand in the gap. You stand in the gap and you follow the Lord. And when it's, when it's all said and done, there's a whole lot of shouting and victory that can be. But, you know, I've known a lot of people who, who then let themselves beat themselves up because, well, I want to see the way you do. You know, I want to see the way this person does. They talk about a vision. I've never had a vision. Lord, God must not love me. You know, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. God needs all kinds of people. And when we talk about the eyes of the Lord, when we talk about his seven spirits, which is the eyes of God, when we talk about all of those things from the plethora of Scripture that we've studied, it's all about are you walking with God? That's the best way to see something. You know, I can look at pictures. I can look at pictures in a book. I can look at, at pictures that you have on your phone, which I've done many times. But there's nothing to compare with actually walking somewhere and being there. And, and for God, it's about the journey. But if you are allowing something, maybe it's the habits of others. You know, we've kind of all kind of been thrown together. Maybe you were the only one in your group that was really fun and it troubled you. Now you're thrown in with everybody. Have you become more like them or have they become in any way like you were? Because it really has to do with how you're moving with God. And the second one is, blessed are the peacemakers, verse 9. So they, they'll be called the children of God. Peacemakers, the only time this is used in the New Testament. And it really is, um, it's an important distinction. Because when we've studied about peace, in the Old Testament, we recognize that it's a shalom. And it really means it's used in a number of ways, greetings and you know, goodbyes and hellos, but it really focuses on the task, accomplishing something. When the Septuagint translators chose to translate uh, shalom, they chose soteria, which means to, be, to have salvation, to be delivered, to, to have some point of victory or breakthrough. And those 70 guys, they weren't messing around. They wanted the exact most perfect word to describe what peace was. And so it's not just a serenity now kind of a thing, you know. It's, it's that you are somebody who takes on a mission from God, and maybe not like the Blues Brothers, but you take on a mission from God, and you are, you're going to fulfill it. And you're going to come back bringing the sheaths with you. That's what peace was throughout the Old Testament, which is why you'd say goodbye to somebody because you'd hope they would accomplish whatever they were going to do and that they'd have success in it. And that they, if they were going on a, a business journey, come, come back by all means with a victory. If you're trying to go to this city, 
get there safely and find some way to communicate to me that, yes, I've made it in that way. So a peacemaker in the Lord is somebody that has been given tasks by God and you've carried them through successfully. You've been faithful in the smaller things and one by one you have been given many more. Now what's the, what's the, the blessing that comes? You'll be called the children of God. Now, this is huios, children. It's not technon. It's not any of the other baby terms. You know, well over 90% of the time when this word is used in the New Testament, it speaks of sons, those that have gained a measure of respect and dependability in the home. And, you know, you give them a task, and you don't have to worry about whether it's going to be done. It's done. And you rejoice in that. You love everybody, but you, you know you need something done. You know who to go to. So blessed are the peacemakers because they're going to be called sons. Now, I don't know why they translate it as children of God. You can do the research yourself. But it's upwards. It's almost 95%. I'm not, I didn't have my abacus out trying to figure it out. But it's sons. So these two verses the Lord was, was really impressing upon me. And I felt that they were rhema words for us. We have a mission to accomplish we're training sons, and we are patterning what, hopefully, sons of the Most High should be. And we've got to make sure that with all the other things that Jesus led up to as he approached verse 8, that we, as, with a measure of self-introspection, we're not saying, okay, you know, yeah, I see that I've, I've kind of slacked off here. <laughs> we can't do that. I can't do that. You can't do that. And only you can answer that. Um, how are you doing? Is the free flow of your heart functioning spiritually? Is your mind in, in absolute lockstep with what God wants? Are your emotions placed there? Where is your treasure? That's where your heart's going to direct. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Seems I read that somewhere. You know, I remember when, um, I can't even believe I'm saying this. I remember way back when, in ancient days, when pagers first came out. I got my first pager from that guy. Right, I'm picking on the stewards today. Dennis, uh, I, I got one from him. It, was, it functioned great. And, man, I thought I, I thought I was really living large. You know, you, you, people would buzz you and you'd get a number. You think, who is that number? <laughs> what do I need to do with it? And so, but I, I would I fi I'd re find out real quick that if I was driving the car and I got Dennis's pagers off my belt loop and I looked at that thing, the car was going to go exactly in the way that I was looking at. I don't know how many curbs I ran up onto Imani. You would never do that. Your mom would never let you do that. But I sure did. And, you know, it says, don't text and drive. Listen, that's true, because where your eyes are going, that's where you're going to head up. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And if you've allowed something else to become the treasure of your life, no matter how fulfilling it is in the natural, you're, you're going to end up in the ditch somewhere. And even if it's Sunday, if we can pull ox out, we can pull you out. But, you know, the thing is, um, 
I don't, I don't want to be continually wondering, am I really still in right relationship with you, Father? Even though I feel you, I love you, you know, we've got a mission to do. I, and I, I don't want to function in 70%. You know, the NBA season, I think it's over now. I've lost track. But I remember when uh, the Mavericks got that big guy, the unicorn, Porzingis, and um, you notice that in one of the games, he after the first half, he wasn't really doing as well. And I thought, man, something's wrong with him. And it really was. And they found out he has a torn meniscus. And I don't, I don't want to be in the fields of battle serving the Lord if I'm functioning at 70% or 60%. If something else has occluded my heart from functioning on what the ways of God are, I can't be that as your leader. I, I can't do that before the Lord. And so we can't, we, we've got to really look at this on our own. Because as Monica said earlier, these days are just really crazy. And there's a lot of things that are moving in, in, the, in this nation and in the nations of the world and we can't afford to go into that environment representing God if, we, if our heart is on other things. It doesn't mean you can't love other things. It doesn't mean that you can't express yourself in a family way or, or in whatever other ways that you have been blessed by the Lord. But if those things become greater than what your calling is eternally, you got a problem. And I'm giving you a word from God to be self-introspective, to look deep within and say, Lord, is there? if you need a little help, do what David did. Search me, O God. Try my way. See if there's any wicked way in me. Um, I do that regularly, not because I'm groping around in sin and I don't want anybody to see any on me, you know. I don't use that as a mirror to try to pull one by on, on Imani or anything. But it's picking on you now. See, I've got to be a I gotta be, I gotta mass intimidate. He said, just gotta go around the. Um, but you know, my, uh, we've we've got to we've got a job to do. We, we're we're the we're the saints. We're called to be saints. You're there. You're few in number. There there are many others joining, but what you do is important. And so, then it goes on to this wonderful thing that says, and I'm wrapping it up because those are the two ramas, so you can remember those. But the greater the vision, the greater the opposition. That's just true. You're doing something for God, chances are there are going to be people who don't like it. And for your righteous stance, that's going to come to some measure of persecution. Um, and people might revile you. They may say all manner of evil rhema against you falsely and they may even do it in a religious way but again i don't have time to teach on this rejoice be exceedingly glad jump in the air spin apply the tool because you're in line with the rest of the prophets i would you want to say one more thing though when he used the word blessed he didn't use any of the grace words he didn't use which he could have um, he didn't use any of a, of, a, of a number, there were three other main varieties that he could have used to describe. He uses this word makarios, which for the Greek people was quite a word because 
in their mythical understanding, and the Greeks were great storytellers. We still tell their stories today. A lot of Hollywood movies are based off Greek myths. And, um, but Makarios was an island, supposedly, that didn't lack in anything. If people were there, they were really happy because whatever they wanted, whatever their desires were, they were fulfilled. So Jesus reaches into that Hellenistic ideal and says, blessed, and every one of these is Makarios. And what it's saying to us is, our home is not some mythical island. Our home is in heaven. And we have an eternity with our Father. We're on this earth just for a brief time. And, and um, I, I know that life is important, but it, it, it moves along. And I, um, you know, I was sitting yesterday in... Uh, in our front room where the piano is, and Megan decided she was going to play a concerto for me, and off she went. And I noticed something, that about every two minutes, her little head would turn and look over at me, see if I was watching. And when the first one happened, it was like a, a deja vu, because I remember her mama used to do that very same thing. And then the next thought I had was, am I still, are we all still going to be around when she has one, a little girl, maybe, or maybe that, that grandson Fabian's wanting, um, and, and am I going to see this happen again? But it was just like yesterday. Life moves along quick, doesn't it? But we have a home in heaven where joy will never end, and Jesus, I believe, used this term, well, of course he did, when he could have used the, the other blessed words that are used throughout the New Testament. He uses this obscure term, and, and he says, just remember, you're in this world, you're not of it. You're going to the home of all homes, and it's, it's wonderful there. We've got to keep that as our perspective to every one of these injunctions. He uses that. I think it's wonderful. So, that's my evangelistic message. Um, I, I believe that the Lord has given you a tremendous calling, but for all of us, whether in this house or extended across the miles, God is saying, you need to keep looking to make sure that, because it can creep up. I mean, it is insidious. It is... It is well, how does something happen in your in your in your body? You know, if you know, I I remember being with uh, an older man. Uh, he was down at Baylor, and the doctor was trying to describe what was going on in his heart. And the man said, "I don't know how this happened. I don't I don't know how this happened." I still remember it as I was standing there by his bedside, and the doctor came in, and he said, "Well, you should have been asking this about forty years ago, because that's when it started." <laughs> And the man was fine, but it was, it was the fact that the residue had built up in, in a couple of his arteries. And so these kinds of things in the spirit realm can sneak up on you. They don't just come in a big burst and suddenly you, you're, you're not seeing God anymore. We've, we've got to police ourselves. 
And we've got to be ready for our master. These are great days, powerful days. You've been given a unique calling, and God has birthed you and allowed you to live on this earth for this time. What a wonderful blessing that is. I want to be a good and faithful servant, and I know you do too. So let's, let's be before the Lord as those sons that can carry out our mission, and let's walk in his ways as people whose hearts are absolutely, totally committed to God. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of being able to serve you as saints and as sons. And we, I ask you, Father, that these scriptures that you put on my heart to share today would, be, would accomplish what you have put your finger upon them to do. Let your word come into all of our lives and let it have its, its desired effect that your spirit ordained. And I speak blessing over these folks. I, I pray, God, that there would, be a, there would be a delight and a victory in everyone's hearts as we serve you in these days. Help us to be those sons that carry out your mission and walk in your ways. That's what we want. You know, the kingdom of heaven, that's great. Um, inheriting the earth, wonderful. But the most important thing for us is to serve you and to do it in the best way we possibly can. We love you, Father. And as has been prophetically declared today for this day of prayer, help us to find a place with you where we commune with you today. Speak to our hearts. And God bless America. God bless what you have ordained for this country to do for you in the world. And Lord, there's a lot of things you want to accomplish yet through this country. And we, we choose to believe you that that eternal purpose and will will be accomplished. So guide us as we pray. Let your anointing uh, come upon the appointing now. And let us be those intercessors that we need to be on this day. Bless the network as, as they pray as well. And um, let us be guided by you throughout the remainder of this month leading up to this election. We love you, Lord. One final thing, whatever these people need in this house, I, I declare that you're giving it to them right now. I, I thank you, Father, for health and life. We're so blessed to have Trish back with us today. Father, I just de simply declare life and vitality into her body, into her mind, into her spirit, every part of her, and bless Mark a little bit too. And uh, Lord, just let everybody in this house be filled to overflowing with your goodness because you love them so much. Thank you for this, Father. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks for being here. And uh, have a good time praying today. Goodbye.